Hey, my name is Amanda. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you find your next step toward Jesus. Enjoy the message. Our scripture this morning, or this evening, comes from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Good morning. Welcome to LaCroix. My name is Jeffrey Waters, one of the pastors here, if you don't recognize me. So glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. Um, Today we begin a new series where we're going to be looking at um, prayer. We're going to be looking at uh, the things about prayer that maybe can impact our lives, can help us grow, um, things that maybe you've got questions about or you struggle with. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to journey through that. And, and each of these weeks, the theme that we're going to focus on each week, if they're put together in concert with one another, we hope that they will help you, equip you, and give you some encouragement, some guidance as you grow in your prayer life and your prayer time with God. Uh, this is not meant to be a three-step, you know, like quick little process to do this and you got it all figured out. We're not trying to sell you on something. We're trying to keep this pretty simple. And, and look at what, what prayer is really about. And these things, while p- when put together, can work together in concert. Some of these things, like what I'm going to talk about this morning, done individually, can also be powerful tools for you. So the first thing we're going to ask you to do, or that I'm going to ask you to do right now, is when you came in this morning, you should have been given a piece of paper. If you have this, please grab it, get it ready in your hand. If you don't have one of these, um, if you will raise your hand, uh, I think one of our ushers might be able to bring some around if you don't have one. But if you've got this piece of paper right now, what I'm going to ask you to do is to take, uh, find a pen, something to write with. And on this piece of paper, um, there's a perforated part right in the middle. And so on both sides, I want you to think of a word, maybe two words. If you're really courageous, maybe three. And, and think of what would the words or the phrases be that would describe your current prayer life. Whatever that is, write it on this side and on the other side. Both sides of your paper, write your words or your phrase. Maybe it's stagnant or non-existent. Maybe it's echo chamber. Maybe it's persistent but empty. Or maybe it's 
routine and powerful, whatever it might be. Think of what word or words you would describe your current prayer life and write on both sides of this piece of paper. And if you need to take another minute or so to keep thinking about that, that's okay. But once you've done that, now what I want to ask you to do is flip your paper over. And on the back side, on each side, I want you to think of a word or two or three, maybe a phrase that you would use to describe the prayer life that you want. If you could have the prayer life that you desire, what would it look like? And, and find the words that would describe that and write those on both sides of this piece of paper. While you take a moment to keep filling this out, um, what we're going to do with this is we're going to uh, take your, you're not writing your names on these, so there's this anonymous, there's, there's no threat to you. But we want to take this, Brent and Ron are going to take these and consider them as they walk through the rest of this series. Um, and also uh, the spiritual formation staff is going to take this and maybe help inform some of the things that we lean into in our 21 days of prayer and fasting as we start the year together as we have here at LaCroix um, in January. So after you have this figured out, you got your descriptions of what your prayer life currently is, and on the other side, the descriptions of what you want your prayer life to be. I want you to take it and right along the perforation, tear it in half, put one in your pocket or your bag or your phone case or however you want to store this to keep it with you. And this, the other one we're going to ask you to put in these columns, these black columns um, on your way out this morning. And we appreciate you participating and helping us with that. Um, some of you, uh, I'm going to assume, and I think this is a safe assumption, that some of you are still recovering from Thanksgiving. The amount of food that you ingested, the traveling that you did, the activities that were going on. Um, some of you maybe are in town right now because you traveled here for Thanksgiving, and we're glad that you're with us. Uh, and, and now we head into this very calm and peaceful time of year called Christmas. There's not a lot going on. Your calendars don't get filled. I work with college students, so on top of, uh, of Thanksgiving and Christmas, there's a very mellow and calm thing that happens in the middle called finals. No one's stressed. It's a happy time. Time is something that's important to us. It's something that we talk about often. Time is something that we place value on. I, I don't know that a lot of us would say this, but we ascribe to the belief that time is money. That, that time is valuable, that we need to be efficient in how we use our time. We can't waste time. I actually don't think that's true at all, that time is money. Because as busy as you are, you, you, you can fill your schedule with things that are important, things that are very significant. You can also fill your schedule with things that aren't so important. You know, there, there's, you know, family time uh, around dinner together. There's, there's your job. You know, you've got to sleep at some point, Right? You, there, there, are, there are things that you're responsible for. We were supposed to spend time with the Lord. We're, you know, there, there are a lot of things that go on, but then there's a lot of other things that we fill our time with. Hobbies, good things, some great things. You know, I don't want to ask to get fired by saying this, but there's some in our presence who might think that, you know, watching Cardinals baseball is like the most significant thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that that proves a point to us that we're not as busy as we think that we are. That, that we don't make the most efficient use of our time like that we think that we might. How much time do we waste by watching Netflix or television? 
How much time do we waste numbing ourselves by any myriad of activities that you might engage in? And so I'm not trying to condemn us for how we spend our time. I just want to try to make the point that actually we don't treat time as valuable or as efficiently as we think or like to think that we do. And, and so when we talk about prayer, the, the, what we're going to lean into today, uh, the, the beginning of prayer, of course, it's a Christian thing, so it's got to be an acronym, right? But prayer, P is pausing. And in the coming weeks, we're going to look at rejoicing and asking and yielding. But, but today we're looking at pausing. And there's something in us that pushes against that by its very nature because we're busy or our minds have a thousand things going on. We can't stop our minds. That's why we numb ourselves with you know, a football game or television or, or, or whatever it might be, reading a book. And, and so as we get into looking at what pausing really means for us, um, there are a couple of things that I just want to highlight. Um, the first is that there is truly a physiological thing that happens that supports this notion of the value of pausing. When we rest, however you do it, when you put your body in a place where you can rest, your levels of cortisol in your system go down. And the lower your cortisol levels are in your body, the more clarity you can have in your mind, the more easily you can process and reflect, not overreact. Also, if, if, if you've been around me much, definitely students all the time hear me talk about this. Um, in 2 Corinthians 10, Paul writes in verse 5, about how it is our responsibility to take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Your mind, just like mine, is filled with a thousand different things all the time. Important things, unimportant things, distractions, reminders, things that are stressing you out, making you anxious, things that give you hope, things that make you really fearful. And, and when we are asked to take our thoughts captive, it's because even in the process of prayer, and I don't want to like make you uncomfortable or scare you by saying this phrase, but, but prayer is a form of spiritual warfare. We're participating in the work of aligning our hearts and our minds with the heart and the mind of God in prayer. And there's battle to be done. We have to wrestle with our thoughts. That's why pausing is a great start to prayer. Pausing is, is something that, again, doesn't come natural to us, but, but it's something that we have to exercise like any muscle in our bodies, like any habit or routine that we want to live into, something that we need to, to, to flex that, that strength, that routine and discipline. And, and this value of, 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 of pausing, of taking things slow, I think is reflected in the very ministry and life of Jesus. If we look at any individual story in Jesus's ministry, we, we see what he did, how he did it. We can understand what that reveals to us about the heart of God, about the power of God. Um, and, and we can, you know, take good things away from all of these stories. But if we zoom out and we look at the overarching, the arc of Jesus's ministry on earth, there's something I think that, that can be observed at the beginning of Jesus's ministries, you've read these stories, you've heard them preached on. There are so many accounts where Jesus 
teaches or heals someone. Maybe he casts out demons. And as soon as he does that, he gives instruction to those people. And often that instruction follows along the lines of something like, now go and don't tell anyone what happened. And in the moment you might think, like, why is that important? Why, why is he telling people not to talk about what he did? And, and again, in the moment, maybe it doesn't make sense. But when we zoom out and look at the whole what Jesus, the whole arc of his ministry, what he was trying to accomplish, it wasn't to come and fix everything in the moment, to heal every person, to cast out every demon, to, to override, you know, systems of, of law and rule and, and the way that people saw the world. He, he didn't want to just fix all of the momentary things because he didn't come just for a momentary work. He came for an eternal work. And that work has to begin with knowing him, knowing who he is. So as he did these things and revealed himself to people, he, he wanted people to begin to know who he was, to see who God is, as was revealed in him, Christ on this earth. And, and so there's value in pausing and taking a moment to stop and reflect. This doesn't come naturally to us. We, we see this in, in a pretty well-known passage. You've heard this, I'm sure, many of you many times in your life. But in, in Psalm 23, where David writes these very well-known words, he says, the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He makes me lie down. He doesn't invite me to lie down. He doesn't offer me the opportunity to, to lie down. He makes me, he forces me to lie down, David says. Why? Because that's not our natural response. There are things that need to be done. There are things that are stressing us out. There are things that we need to do, so let's go do them. And God makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me by the still waters. There's so many things that we can take out of while we pause. Jesus paused in his ministry to first reveal who he is to us so that we have a deeper understanding of who God is. So in prayer, we pause so that we get to know the very one to whom we are praying. We pause because it's more important to know who we're praying to than it is to be thinking about the things we're praying for. So there are a couple of things I want to highlight to us this morning that I think we can glean out of pausing. The first is this. In pausing, we realize that we're not God. And the reason that I can confidently say that, aside from the obvious, is that all of the things that are on your prayer list, the people that you want to see healed, the, 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 the discernment you need, the answers to the questions you're asking, the decisions that need to be made, the, the, the way that you want to praise God for what he's done, the, the way that you need God to move in someone's life, a coworker, a friend, a family member, so that they get to know him. All of the things that are on your prayer list, they're on your prayer list because you can't control them, because you can't do anything about them. That's why we pray. And yet, if I granted you the ability to control all of those factors, I dare to ask the question, would you still be praying? If you could do it yourself, would you still find need in prayer? Would you still find need to, to stop? Or would you just 
try to be God. But, but by pausing, we stop and we say, wait, I'm, I'm not God. But in pausing, we also have this. We remember that he is God and that he's good. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the disciples pull him aside and, and say, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? And he could have responded in so many ways, but out of graciousness, he says yes. And he teaches them how to pray. And in, in uh, chapter 6, verse 9 of Matthew, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And this beautiful, beautiful prayer, this example of prayer that Jesus gives he, he begins by pointing us to say, our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. You are God. Before I go into all the things that I need to talk to you about, I acknowledge you are God. Later in, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking about the, the, the needs that we have and the he says, why worry about what you will eat or what you will wear if God takes care of the birds of the air, the flowers of the field? How much more will a good, good father take care of those that he loves? God's good. You might not believe it in this moment. You might have things happening in your life that try to convince you that's not true. But friends, in pausing, we remember that he is God and that he's good that he has good things in store, not just for me, for me, for my friends, for my family, and that he's working all of those things together. It's not just what I think's good. He's working all things together. But if I dry, just dive right into prayer and, you know, God, here's my list, all of a sudden I'm forgetting to acknowledge that he's God and he's good. Now, that wasn't even 30 seconds. But I wonder, in a little pause that you didn't expect, played a little trick on you, what, what went through your mind? Besides trying to figure out what's this weird guy doing on stage not talking in this moment, what thoughts immediately filled that space, that void, in that pause, what happened? Maybe you started thinking about what you want for lunch or the dishes that need to be washed your to-do list that you got to accomplish. Maybe you're trying to figure out what, what I was about to say. My point is that in pausing, the urgent wins. But, or without pausing, the urgent always wins. But in pausing, we reclaim control of the urgent. We say that all those things that fill our mind, all of those things that distract us, good things and bad things, all of the things that want to drive us in prayer, we reclaim them when we pause. Because friends, most of us, when we go to prayer, there's something that's driving that. There's a need or an emotion. There, there, we need God to act. We need God to heal. We need God to rescue us. We need God to provide for us, to give us guidance. Maybe we need to praise God. Our, our motivation's coming out of a good thing. We wanna acknowledge and, and, and bring glory to his name for what he's done. But so often in 
prayer, we come with something driving and motivating our prayer. And so we want to dive right into it because our, our list is long and time is money and we need to get through this prayer. But, but in pausing, because prayer is warfare, we claim the battleground. We say, wait, the urgent doesn't win. I'm, I'm going to push back against that. I'm going to take my defensive stand. And before I dive into all of the things that are going on, good and bad, I'm going to pause. I'm not God. You are. You're good. I'm going to reclaim power over what's urgent and what's driving my life. And finally, if I were to ask you, I, I think most of us in the room, if I were to ask you or people that you know and love, would you choose heaven over hell? I think most of us, if you believe in heaven and hell, you would choose heaven over hell. But I want to suggest that in pausing, we choose heaven over earth. In Matthew 6, you know, the prayer goes on, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. When we pause, we, we, we say, wait a minute, this, this isn't about all the things that I need, all the things that I want. Because you're God, because you're good, I pause and remember that you're in control and that I want to be a part of what you're doing in the world. I, I want the kingdom's purposes to overrule my immediate needs and requests. And so pausing allows all of those things to happen. But, but we have to pause. We have to be people that will take the time to take that pause. And, and so this morning, we're going to look at Psalm 46 and, and maybe what that can show us about the power of pausing, what we, what we can glean from it. But to set this up a little bit, you might have spent a lot of time in Psalm 46 in your life. I don't know. But just to give you a little context, most scholars understand and believe that this psalm was written in response to a moment in time, a moment in history when the Assyrians were taking over much of the known world. And, and the Assyrians were ruthless. They would come in. They would give people the chance to, to surrender. And without, if you didn't surrender immediately, then they just came in, desolation followed, and they took control. And, and in this moment, the Assyrians have already overtaken much of, of Israel. And now in Judah, the, the, the offer is being given, surrender. But Hezekiah, King Hezekiah and the people are, are trusting in God. They're praying. And they turn to God and say, God, come and save us. And God shows up in this miraculous way. And the few number that they had compared to the hundreds of thousands of Assyrians, now there's just desolation outside the city. There are piles of Assyrians that God has rendered ineffective. God showed up, protected and provided for them. So Psalm 46 is in response to that. So looking at it, we begin in, in verse one where, where it says, God is our refuge and strength and an ever-present help in trouble. God is our hope. For the, for the, the people of Judah in this moment, they had no other chance. There was nothing they could have done. God was their only hope. They were very well aware of it. They were crying out in desperation. What about your needs? Do you recognize that God is your only real hope? Or do you have a whole list of other options, things that you could take control of? 
Maybe even suggestions you're giving God of how he should work things out. And the other thing is that, that it says that he is an ever-present help in trouble. It's not like we have to turn and run and find God somewhere. We have to go searching for him. God is with us, present. In verse 2 and 3, it says, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. In verse 6, says nations are in uproar kingdoms fall he lifts his voice the earth melts all of those things seem like very significant urgent pressing needs but it begins with verse 2 saying therefore we will not fear even though I lost my job even though my mom's sick even though I have no clarity about what I'm supposed to do in this situation even, even though I will not fear because God is ever present and he's my hope. And verse seven says, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We know that, you know that at your core, but how much does that shake your daily life? How much does that impact your daily life to know God is with you? verses eight and nine, it says, come and see the works of the Lord. Come and see what the Lord has done, the, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes the war seas and the ends of the earth to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. This is a moment of saying, let's remember what God has done. Let's see the, the, the evidence we have of how God's already shown up, how God's already provided. And you might have moments when you're going in prayer and you don't feel like you can feel that. Like you can experience recently what God's done for you. M might I suggest to you that that's one of the reasons why we need community? Because if I know what God has done in your life, even if I'm not experiencing, I get reminded that he's faithful because I see what he's done in your life. I hear the testimony of what he's done by the friend of mine across the country, across the world. I heard the story of what my kid did in school that day, and it reminds me that God's good. We take a moment in pausing and remember what God has done. For, for them, it was very clear what God had done. Open the city walls and see. God is good. We need to take that moment to pause to remember. God's our hope. He's ever-present. We shouldn't fear the urgent. He's with us. And we remember what he's already done, how he's already proven himself faithful to us. And then we get to what's probably the most well-known verse in Psalm 46. Verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Uh, about five years ago, when I moved into my house, uh, some friends, you know, brought like housewarming gifts, little, little plants and presents and things like that. And someone brought me this sign to like a piece of like artwork, kind of a decoration thing to hang on the wall. And it's this thing you probably find like at Hobby Lobby or something like that. You know, it's painted to look all nice and it says, be still and know. Nice, nice gift. I, I don't want to upset you this morning, but, but I need to tell you that Psalm 46 verse 10 has very little, if anything at all, to do with silence. 
It doesn't have much of anything to do with meditating. It has something to do with being still, but, but not, not a lot. What, what the Hebrew translation really means is, is stop and know that I'm God. The common English version of the Bible translates it by saying, that's enough. Now know that I'm God. The message version says, step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me. Pausing isn't about this quaint, like reflective, let's all be happy and... (sighs) It's God saying, I am God. I am here. I am in control. And I I say that, I say to, to stop and to know that I'm God, not only to the faithful, but also to the foe. To stop to the faithful and say, look what I've done. I'm here with you. I am in control. I'm moving. I'm doing things. To the, those that are pushing against God, the, the forces in this world that are acting against the, the will of God. God says, stop. In the name of God, I am God. I am in control. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I don't think this is a moment of God being mad with us. I think it's a moment of God needing to open our eyes to the severity, the relevance and the power of saying, would you stop and know that I'm God, that I'm good, that I'm here with you and for you. He goes on in verse 11 again, like verse 7, it says there, The Lord God Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, reminding us yet again that God is with us. Over uh, the the past little season of my life, um, there have been a lot of things that have been on my heart that have been heavy for me to pray about. If you've been around LaCroix long, if you've ever heard me up on stage, you might have heard me reference that Ignite for many years has had a relationship, a partnership with our friends in the church in Ukraine. Um, We've been traveling there since 2013. Um, And one of my best friends, Pastor Velodia in in Lviv, I talk to pretty regularly. And so you can imagine for the past eight or nine months how how hurt and, and burdened my heart has been for what they're experiencing, the war that is raging in, in their world, to, to hear how Velodia is suffering, to, to know that they, they are at, without power at times, that, that a lot of people have fled and that he's running a ministry. And, and so talking through those things, of course, I want to go to God and be like, hey, God, it's time. God, I, I want to trust you, but it's time. It's time to work. It's time to bring an end to this. Enough is enough. But first, I need a pause. And know that he's God and that he's good. Yeah, he wants to hear my heart. Yeah, I think it pleases his heart to know that I, that I care for and love my friends and, and want to ask him to work on their behalf. But am I going to be more focused on the thing I'm praying for or am I going to be focused on the one that I'm praying to? I've been on crutches since July. Had a few moments in those months where I've wanted to pray and ask for healing quickly. I need to stop. Know that he's God, that he's good. 
For many years, I, I've been blessed. I feel like I, I, I have the ability and the thankfulness to have a routine where I've been able to you know, get up and have time with the Lord um, daily. But in the past several months, I've started a new thing, a new practice where I, at the end of every day, I pause. And this was before I knew the sermon series was coming up. God's good that way. I'm going to pause. I've got an app on my phone, open it up, hit play, listen to the little meditation, the, the reflection. And I end my day not with my mind reeling with all of the things that I need to do. Not thinking about all the things I need to do tomorrow. Not going to bed just out of my pure exhaustion. But to just stop and be reminded that he's God and he's good. It's only when we cease from our frantic activity that we have the opportunity to truly experience God working on our behalf for us and in us. If my hands are still on the reins, I'm not even aware of what God's doing. But when I stop and know that he's God, it changes everything. Now, now, as, as I said, this series, we're going to look at different aspects of prayer. And, and if we take this, this work of pausing and we hold it in concert with the other things that are going to be talked about in the future weeks, I think we can put this together and have a really powerful experience of prayer. And that's a wonderful thing that I want to encourage all of us to do. But also this morning, want to tell you that this, this thing about pausing, this can be done spontaneously, momentarily. In the middle of your frantic day, you could just stop. And know that God's good. And three seconds later, get back to the pot of spaghetti on the stove. You can stop and know that God's good before you hop in your car and head off to that next meeting. You can stop before you pull out of the drop-off line at school and you head into your day. Remind yourself God's good. This isn't easy. This isn't simple. It goes against our very nature because we are uh, predisposed to, to, to act, to do something, to think. But friends, God's inviting us to stop. Jesus's ministry paints that picture time and time again. And so this morning, we want to wrap up with, with giving you a moment to do this, to stop, to pause, not in stillness and silence like everything is great, but to stop and know that he's good. So I'm gonna read this psalm. I wanna ask you to just, to try to envision what might your life look like tomorrow, this afternoon, as we head into this Advent season. If you can incorporate this, even in the smallest way, how different might your mental health be? How different and more, more fulfilling might your relationships be? How more intimate and powerful could your prayer life be? Full pause. So Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Heavenly Father, 
morning, we come to you and we, we ask, God, will you pour out your grace on us? You're so good. You're so faithful. You've done so much in our lives. And yet here we are again asking you, give us your strength. By your grace, call us into a pause, a remembering, a recognizing who you are. Whether we feel it in the moment or not, there's plenty of evidence around us. God, right now, in this very moment, Holy Spirit, come. Meet us. Give us the strength to stop and to know. If you enjoyed today's message, make sure to subscribe to this channel. Feel free to share this with others that God has put on your heart. To learn more about LaCroix Church or to find your next steps, head to lacroixchurch.org. Thanks again for checking us out, and we hope to see you soon.